you are at the net. And welcome, friends, to another episode of the At The Net podcast, powered by Tex-Mex Productions. Working the soundboards in the back of the house are our producers, D-Mac and Dave the Brave. Time to say hello to your hosts, Craig Bell and AJ Shabria, as they're about to take us through three sets of texts, talking life and all the news as it seems to them. Ladies and gentlemen, Craig Bell. All right, thanks to our Ethernet podcast group for that fabulous introduction, and welcome fans of the great game you're listening to season one. This is episode 40. 40, AJC. How about that, you know? How about that? Well done, buddy. All right. The Ethernet podcast with, uh, you're AJ Chabry, aren't you? I am. Yeah. AJC, and I'm CB1, uh, a.k.a. Craig Bell, who are talking the great game of tennis as it... As it seems to us. Maybe seems to us, yeah. Okay. Thanks also go out to our good amigos at Tex-Mex Productions. That would be one, Darian D. Mac McBrayer and Dave the Brain DeLeo from back of the house. We're on the soundboards, moving the dials and buttons to make it sound like real people tonight, aren't we? We are real people. We CB are. is in the house. Yeah. Weber State Wildcats in the house. That's right. There we go. The, um, beanie, the beanie's on. It's yeah. You know, if you're not watching, this is in honor of you, buddy. It is. Yeah. Fully in honor of you. <laughs> I'd do it without my glasses, too, because <laughs> my glasses look a little nerdy. So, you know, 60-year-old in a beanie. I'm going to handle the look at the screen duties tonight don't be looking at me i might put my glasses on it'll look a little you'll start laughing like you are right now <laughs> also be sure to check out our good work on fireside iHeartRadio, apple podcast google podcast anchor breaker Castbox, overcast pocket cast radio public and spotify basically that means all the important communications these kids find popular right all of them That's literally all, all of, of them all of them yeah. every one of them yeah. wherever you find your podcast we're there aren't yeah. we did basically you, did you say breaker or breaker breaker I, I i needed you to say it twice so thank you <laughs> breaker breaker Ten good. Four, good buddy what's your 40 <laughs> we're in the bunker somewhere in dallas texas we're being yeah. sequestered we're we're quarantined from each other but we're like family so we basically live together and we're in a tunnel between our two houses so yeah. uh kind of like the yellow so Right, right? Kind of like we all live. We all. That's right. And uh, uh, also, girls, uh, if you are uh, looking for uh, an opportunity to be our At The Net podcast girls, we would love to have any female voices that yeah. would love to read our opening intro, right? Yeah, yeah. Foreign accent, even foreign language. Um, yep. And, and the reason for this, uh, we don't have guys doing it, is... We're, there's plenty of guys in this room. Well, yeah, yeah there are. There's, yeah, we need to mix it up. A no, bit. no, no, no. Yeah. We, we like yeah. we like ladies much better. You know, we wouldn't even let Super Neil read the intro. <laughs> no, not even his beautiful golden voice. No, but tonight we are honored and really a privilege to. to I call him a bon vivant, wouldn't you say? He's a bon vivant. He, he is. Really. I mean, he really is a guy that. Uh, for for such a young guy, he could be our our kids. Well, maybe my kid. You know, he. He, yeah. I mean, he calls us the Mace Uncles, like yes. we call he, him and Clint Lockoff the Mace Brothers. brothers. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. But I think he could be a Mace kid, yeah. basically my kid, you know. <laughs> we're, we are at the net this evening with one of the t- great tennis minds. We have a, a little lunch group, so Super Neil joins us with the, the great tennis minds, and he's not invited us to the great tennis Mace minds yet lunch, but we're, we're working on that. It, it actually there. wasn't a lunch. It was more just have some water and oh. work out. Do you remember that? Oh, that's right. And yeah, it was, he it doesn't was, eat lunch, It was he? cold. He eats massive lunch. Oh, he yeah, does? Yeah, 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 oh, I thought he just drinks water and <laughs> maybe eats, eats, a, eats a, a salad or maybe a piece of bread every now and then, right? And breathitarian also. Oh, okay, there we go. Yeah, you got oh, Holds his breath? Is, yeah. is he like Chris Fowler? Or it can hold it for like three minutes. <laughs> Breath to Wim Hof, yeah. uh, breathitarian, and yeah, the last Great Minds wasn't a lunch. That's right. It was a mace workout. That's right. Get Super yeah. Neil hosted about. He hadn't invited us back either. It's been I like know. it's been we like must, five years ago. I don't, we I don't know must what, not have been strong enough. But anyway, yeah, Super Neil wow. has been around Dallas for, forever. He's a, he's a, one of the kids that grew up in the Dallas area. 
Uh, he played, played some college tennis uh, at a couple of schools. Shout out to the Billikens and shout out to the uh, Fighting Illini. I think you're an uh, alum of both oh, places. Oh, Indiana University Hoosier, right? Oh, the Hoosiers, I'm sorry. Yeah. The, the Illini. Next door. Oh, yeah, the, the next door kind of. I got my yeah. uh, notes mixed up, you know. Since yeah. I have my, my beanies on a little tight, so it's squeezing my, my, my brain cells together. But, but Indiana, Big Ten, right? Yeah. He's a Big Ten man. Hoosiers, great movie. I'm sure Neil saw the movie too, didn't he? Did you see it, Neil? Oh, yeah, a while ago. Right. Watch you, it on the uh, on the van. Awesome. Did you ever play basketball? Did I play basketball? Yeah. I actually did. Yeah. Back in yeah, the day. I, I loved basketball. Yeah, it was soccer was my other big sport. Yeah. Basketball, I enjoyed. I was the king of the three pointer. Oh, outside man. He's, he's super Neil in basketball <laughs> yeah, too. I can see yeah, it. You're just super Neil everywhere. But yeah, Neil played a little pro tennis. Uh, also, now he's kind of shifted from tennis also into the fitness world. He's, uh, it's going to be an interesting several sets. We're going to talk tennis with Neil, yep. and we're going to talk uh, fitness with Neil, and we'll get into some pop culture questions if Neil will let us uh, oblige us and maybe answer a few pop culture questions tonight, right? Excellent. Is that okay, Super Neil? Absolutely. So how did you get involved? Let's start off uh, with, with kind of your tennis background before we get into the fitness background. So this will be set one. How did you get involved with tennis? Was it your mom, dad, grandma, grandpa? Uh, or you just saw, you know, Adrian and I hitting one day and, and said, man, I want to be, be like, like those I want to be like those cats. Uh, how do I get involved with tennis? Yeah. 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 The great game. So actually, yeah. Good question. It was uh, one of my best friends growing up, actually. It's a guy named Ricky Charney. His mom wanted him to start playing, Mm -hmm. and I just happened to be hanging out at their house pretty much every weekend, I think, and so I went with them, and I I loved it, and it was great. No one in my family played tennis, and uh, I remember going in there to uh, to Fretz, and Jack Newman was running the program. Shout out to Jack Newman. Yeah, he's great. Shout out to Jack. Yeah, great great, uh, tennis coach. In Dallas for probably what about fifteen years, something like that. And then maybe? in Austin for another fifteen. Or yeah, so. he's still going. Yeah, yeah. he's uh, legendary in the state of Texas. But you're you're one of the Fretz kids at the time. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, Jack had a huge influence on me. In fact, I I'm not sure how many people know this, but uh, one of my first times going into Fretz, you know, I was a really like shy kid and you know, just quiet, kind of timid. And Jack just yells out, "Super deal!" I was like, whoa. And I was just kind of like perked up. But uh, he's the one that made that name up. Jack Newman. Shout out to the great Jack Newman. He's the man. He's the first one that yelled Super Neil out. And then all of a sudden, it it just became Super Neil, right? (laughs) SNK. He's a trinomial, too. SNK. Super Neil Kenner. Hey, Neil, was that after he got to know you a little bit? Or was that like first day? Uh, I was pretty new. Okay. I mean, I was only probably 10. Mm-hmm. Maybe eleven. I think I was ten. He just recognized those Superman powers already that that Neil possessed at an early age. Probably. Yeah, and Neil, oh, wow. if if I'm right, this is twenty five years ago before all these words were overused, like super and amazing and awesome. <laughs> Something like that. I, I think I'm using the same vocabulary there from back then. <laughs> that, I mean, there's nothing. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, uh, what what I'm sort of feeling is that. Um, he legitimately called you super. In other words, it, this is this predates the abuse of that word, so it really is real. That's, cor- yeah. that's correct. Yeah, that's good. Okay, no, Jack recognized good talent, and we're 
serious also too yeah. in, in a lot of respects because you you ended up at one time being number one in the state of texas in juniors in singles and doubles so i mean there there you definitely have some skills in order to have played played this game so it uh, uh also i'm not trying to make light of it yeah but, but uh, yeah big court cred from, yeah from age 10 to uh, all, all the way through juniors dude was good oh yeah and so how long did it take you to get to supers literally super champs because that that was you know there was uh, i guess that was zats at that time and yeah. and uh champs, champs and then, then super supers. champs how long did it take super neil to get to super champs well back when i was in 12s they um they took a certain percentage of the players and when they aged up to 14s they just went straight into supers and i was one of the last guys to go into supers like from there i think it was the top i don't i don't know 30 percent or something 25 percent but um i almost moved down into 16's chance from 14 supers i I was on the cusp i actually got a letter in the mail back when they actually sent mail (laughs) before the internet what's that what's mail? but yeah it said you know you're, you're moving down into chance and i was like oh no you know i gotta I played one more tournament, and I think I got, like, maybe I got to the finals or something, and so it bumped me up, like, one or two spots, and I was able to stay in Supers for 16s. But uh, it, I really didn't, you know, I was I was athletic, and I could run around and make the ball, but I really had, I couldn't do a whole lot of other stuff. And as I got older, I finally figured out how to, how to drive the ball and how to, like, volley, you know, and do stuff like that. Yeah. That's a, that's a bit of a late bloomer, I'd say. But eventually you found the great game to be uh, great at some point. Oh, yeah. Uh, Love it. So yeah. you started, you, were you You said you were 10 years old with your buddy, about 10, somewhere in that neighborhood? Yeah, I was 10. I mean, I, to be completely honest, I was 9 when we oh, first nine. started. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and we, we took a, um, I think there was like a couple lessons at the signature club. You guys remember that place? The Signature Club, even? Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. You remember that place over there on Preston and Beltline, just a little south. Yeah, yeah. Place? exactly. Yeah, kind of back just, the woods. Just, just getting, getting here when yeah. that was. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was a great workout place. Yeah. They had, what, four courts back there maybe, something like that? Something like that, at least yeah. two. Yeah. But but really, Fred's is where it went down. I mean, that was the, that was a huge part of my childhood. Spent, spent a lot of time there, That uh, 15 courts, I guess, maybe, something like that. Nice city yeah. facility run by... Uh, Babs Givens at the time, and Jack oh. was working there, and a bunch of great pros. A lot of Dallas yeah. elite professionals working at Fritz at the time. Our mutual friend oh, yeah. Joe Dinnifer worked there for a while sure. alongside Jack. Yeah. yeah, big adult program they yeah. had. Yeah. Wow. Timmy Dingles. Yeah. Tim Bernard, Timmy and Dingles. he's there now, yeah. Yeah, so I, I thought of it as one of the top junior programs in the state in the 90s when you were there, Neil, but it was also pretty hopping adult place too yeah i'd say both no. i don't think there's it you know just thinking about uh you know ata came on austin tennis academy after jack went down there but fred's mm-hmm. tennis that's you know it, it was i think it was the, the big place to go even brookhaven maybe a little bit at the time yep. t-bar wasn't quite where t-bar is now kind of slid a little bit but i yeah. think fred's was the place to play tennis wouldn't you agree neil for juniors fred's was awesome yeah and I'll, I'll tell you you know one huge thing about fred's that i loved was Jack was so big on mentorship. You know, there were, like, the older kids actually really set a great example. And I actually came across a, uh, a goal sheet from 1994. I've been cleaning out my house. And a couple of questions on there were, like, you know, what players do you want to play with during this camp? You know, who is your favorite player? 
And I, remember, I actually wrote Dave Licker is my Dave favorite Licker. player. Dave <laughs> um, Licker. Shout out yeah, to Dave he Licker. Was, he was probably 19 at the time. Yeah. But it was just, I, I remember looking up to those guys so much. He's a, he's a good coach right now. That's a good person to look up to. He's definitely he, he's moved up up uh, the street north of us into Frisco and has a really great junior program out of, out of, of the Frisco area at the Lakes Tennis Academy and put out a number of good players uh, yeah. right now even and at T Ball Ram. And 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 uh, for the folks at home, um, Neil, you currently get to work with Dave, right? Um, so we we got to work yeah pretty much the past year together. And I ended up stepping away from my role at the Lakes just to really pursue what I was working on in the whole fitness and wellness realm. All right. I just, I, yeah, I really needed to, to spend a lot more time on that stuff. And we'll get to that in our second segment. Definitely. Because yeah, that, that's an interesting, uh, I think, journey also, too, from what, you, what you've been doing on, on the tennis side. So at, after high school, you, I guess you, you played at Pierce High School. How did you get recruited up to, to St. Louis, or did you just go up there because you like the Cardinals and, and maybe the Rams and the Blues and wanted to get away? You wanted to go to where there's some winter time. What was what was the attraction to St. Louis? Well, I'd say it was pretty random. <laughs> no, I I don't know. I I wasn't quite sure what I wanted back then, and it was it was an amazing school. I mean, Washington University in St. Louis. It was you know I, was, I felt like honored that I was able to get in, you know, and it, it actually ended up that it probably wasn't, I shouldn't have gotten in, you know, I was barely getting by in the classroom, but um, I made some really great friends out there my freshman year, Ari Rosenthal was my doubles partner, and my roommate at the time, hmm. but um, yeah, it just, it was, in my mind, it was like the, the best academic school that I could get into. And I didn't think that I was going to uh, to make a career out of tennis. I was, you know, I just kind of was thinking, oh, you know, I'll just play in college and that's it. But uh, after a year, I realized that, you know, really after less than a year, it hit me that I love tennis and competing and just, like, I want that to be a huge part of my life. So that was why I um, opted to, to transfer. Yeah, and I apologize. Wash U was a great experience. I yeah, really and Wash U, um, that was the Bears, right? Yeah, yeah, Bears. Yeah, I said St. Louis University. I'm sorry, yeah. it was St. Louis, but yes, okay. I, I stand corrected. So similar neighborhood, kind of near Forest Park, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. It's like right down the street. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to be a Bear, right? It is. I like Bears. Do you still get the alumni <laughs> newsletter, and they probably hit you up for a donation every now and then? <laughs> I, I get a little bit, but Indiana is the one that hits me with all that stuff. I'm sure. <laughs> hey, when you transferred, was that after one year or two at at uh, WashU? That was after one. One. Did, did you just want to go play a little higher level tennis, possibly, or maybe uh, you just want to move a little further north, get a little bit more winter? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I want more cold. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I just, I mean, the way I put it. You know, I've watched you, like, the typical student. Let's say there's a test coming up in seven hours, mm-hmm. okay? It's like, you know, it's 10 a.m. and you've got a test at 5 p.m. Most students are studying for, you know, almost, like, five or six of those hours at least. I, on the other hand, would, like, arrange an extra practice. You know, I would go work out. I would string, like, two rackets, and I would study for maybe 30 minutes. Got it. And, and my grades definitely reflected it. Okay. <laughs> You got an A plus, see? So, so he's shooting 
the legend of Super Neil. All A's and C's. I had I had A's in Spanish and C's and everything else. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, in Spanish. Did, did you get a degree in Spanish? What was your What ultimately did you get your degree in? I, I minored in Spanish. I've always loved Spanish, and yeah, you know, I just I found it really useful here in Texas, really anywhere. It's just yeah. an awesome. Uh, Thing to be able to there's that word awesome Uh-oh. there it is <laughs> <laughs> you guys put it in my mind sorry but uh no i studied business i did marketing and operations management and minor in spanish that probably served you well though yeah, yeah. You're around here in the texas area you have a little espanol yeah yeah i probably use that more than the business <laughs> we got, got a got a, a comment here from the vantaggio uh, boys that uh, AJ knows uh, the workings of St. Louis, Missouri pretty well, right? Uh, I, I'll draw an analogy. Um, AJC is to geography as Craig is to mascots of every high school and college <laughs> in America. <laughs> he's he's a savant and, and you know, if I've been to a city I, I do try to get the get, geography Get around down. there. Yeah. 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 But we know the Richardson Pierce are the Mustangs. Right? Oh yeah, J. 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 Shout, Pierce, out, yeah. Shout, shout out to the Pierce Mustangs, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Right. But so anyway, so I uh, went to Indiana. Uh, was a Hoosier for a couple of couple of seasons. There's the Vantaggio <laughs> shout out. Uh, AJC's holding his uh, his his water bottle. Nice little Vantaggio bottle. <clears throat> uh, so you went to, to Indiana for several years. Played in the Big Ten. That would have been a time when Illinois was probably pretty decent, weren't they? Were they the Northwestern was really good. Um, yeah, Illinois was, was very good. Ohio State was really good, especially our last year or two. Um, there were a lot of good teams. Northwestern was pretty good. Michigan was, was pretty good. Um, who am I forgetting? Minnesota was always pretty tough. Michigan State, the Sparty, Spartans, Sparky, <laughs> Sparky the Spartans. Yeah, they they were kind of funny. Like they They were good, too, but... I don't know why. I think we just always played really well against them or something. Was Marshman yeah, at Purdue? Was Marshman over at Purdue? Marshman's oh, a little older Marshman. than you. He's, he's a little older. A little oh, older okay. Well, Luckily, but, I didn't have any run-ins with him in college. <laughs> but both of them, J.J. Uh, Pierce. Yeah. Marshman, the two, two-time Big Ten singles champion. That's correct. Yeah. Twice, yeah, not yeah. just one. Yeah. And an At The Net podcast alum as well. Yeah, I think he was That's episode right. four. He was really early on. For Something him. like that, yeah. Four and this guy, 40 for right. Neil. Right, And both Big Ten, <laughs> both J.J. Pierce, both lived on uh, the same street in my neighborhood. For a while. <laughs> There's a lot of coincidences, I, I think. It's too much, yeah, yeah, it's great. Both play on the pro circuit. Yeah, yeah. So, so after after uh, college, what did you do on the circuit? Did you go travel all over the world? Did you kind of hang around the U.S.? Did you go down to Mexico and use your Espanol? Or what did you do after, after college? That's a good question. So I finished college. Um, ironically, I was, had a bunch of injuries. And so I was playing through them, and I remember you know, I had, like, my right foot, my left quad, my back. You know, I just had all these little things going on. So I took a few months off and just trained in Dallas. But um, then I, I just started playing some futures in the U.S., and the Marshman actually agreed to team up with me for some doubles in Kenosha, Wisconsin, at the Future. And uh, we snagged a wild card to get to play the main draw, and we made the finals. So that was my first taste of ATP points with Jason. Awesome. 
Did you have a few beverages so, up there? A few beers up in Wisconsin? I heard they had. We, uh, yeah, we, we definitely had a few celebratory beverages <laughs> after that one. You got all the way to the final as yes. wild cards. That's awesome. That is, that really is good. Who'd you play in the finals? Do you recall? Yeah, who were the opponents? Yeah, we played. Uh, Okay, it was Kevin Mitchell and uh, Isak. Vonder Merva. Dallas Dallas, yeah. Yeah, he's actually a a close friend of ours, and he's a future guest on the show. Sure, Uh, yes. He's at Baylor. I mean, he sort of lives in Dallas, but really uh, uh, more so in in Waco. So Kevin and uh, where's Kevin from? Is he American? He was... I feel like he was Australian. Okay. I'm like, this is a while ago. I'm yeah, not the course. best with the stats on people either. Yeah. <laughs> but you yeah. won that he tournament? I, I remember he played really well. Solid. So, so that got you propelled into some other terms? Did you start traveling around and think, hey, we're pretty good. We got, yeah, I got Marshman as my, my uh, wingman here. We, we can uh, we can roll this thing. So what did you all do afterwards? Did yeah. you all start playing a yeah, little I mean, bit more? Well, Marshman was great. I mean, he, he and I practiced together in Dallas almost every day we were in town. And, um, we went to a couple challengers right after that. I remember going to a New Orleans challenger by myself and just laying a huge egg. <laughs> it was it was just awful, but I think I needed to get that one out of my system. Mm-hmm. And uh, just to get the experience, I felt super uncomfortable and just, I mean, really just not prepared at all. But um, after that, we um, I traveled with Jason to Lubbock for a challenger and I did not get in. I was looking to chance it with my doubles points, but uh, I stuck around. He got in. He played really well and I think he qualified. So he won three rounds in qualies, I believe. And then possibly won his first match in the main draw. I I don't remember, but the whole time I was I was there also practicing. So I met a lot of the guys. He had introduced me to them. And I started playing some practice sets with them and actually doing pretty well. So that was a, a huge confidence boost leading into the next weekend, the next week, which was the Tulsa Challenger. And for that one, I actually did receive a wild card into uh, the qualifying. Won a uh, really long first round match against the guy from Great Britain and was um, up a set in the second match and ended up, got lost like four in the third, but it just, uh, the injury stuff kept hitting me, basically. Did, did you play so, Andy Murray? Andy, did you play uh, Super Neil? Oh man, uh, that, that would have been, uh, I, I would have, it would have been an honor to play <laughs> Neil. I, uh, I ah. relish the. Ch- I, I, I pride myself on a return of serve, and uh, and I, I would have enjoyed it. Yeah. Maybe it was your brother Jamie that might have played. Do you think so? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. What do you think, Andy? <laughs> Jamie, James Murray might have played him. Did you guys do doubles with uh, with Jamie or Buterak or anybody? Uh, I played Buterak in college, actually. Thought so. My fresh, freshman year, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was yeah, at he Gustavus was... Adolphus, and you were at Wash U. You guys play each other all the time, sure. Yeah, we played once. We played in the semis of uh, NCAA's. Uh huh. And uh, he, he and his partner won. Yeah. Was Dude. that at Gustavus? But, uh, that nationals was always yeah. usually at Gustavus, wasn't it? Seemed like that. Gustavus. Was, was D3 nationals at Gustavus? 
That year it was. They always had a nice yeah, they host They host a lot. It's sort of like Kalamazoo College. Yes, they, yes. they host a lot of those things. Coach Wilkinson was always, he was known Steve for Steve Wilkinson, Steve right. Wilkinson, yes. Hey, did you, could you feel that Buterak was going to be uh, something bigger later on? Could you feel it the way he played dubs? I mean, he was, he was really good, but I don't think my doubles partner or I had any idea that he was going to you know, do what he ended up doing. I don't think yeah. he had any idea he was going to. Yeah. Unreal. He didn't have the super moniker, you know. He, yeah. he would have been super Eric, you know. But, you know, we have super Neil. Yeah, we do. We uh, do. He was, I'll tell you what I remember, though, about him. Too. Yeah. He was a super nice guy. Super nice guy. Great yeah. player. Just, you know, it's always cool to see. Everybody, everybody, nice yeah, everybody raves about his personality, his humility, obviously his skills. The guy practiced really, really a lot. After graduating, I think he played a few challengers. I saw him um, at a challenger, and then I saw an uh, unassuming guy, and then I saw him in a TED Talk, and I almost didn't recognize him because he looks a bit like Bill Gates now. Yes, he does. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I saw a TED Talk with him. He went 30 minutes talking about his journey from, you know, from Division Three tennis to pretty well big time. Uh, I guess he was top 15 or 20 in the world in dubs, right? Yeah, I was thinking he maybe got top ten. Maybe, yeah, maybe he was in that top eight uh, ATPs at some point. Did he ever qualify yeah. for the, the uh, I think, I don't know, that's or a maybe good got, question. Maybe as a sub or something. Yeah. Because sometimes you can get in. Certainly all four slams. Yeah. For sure, yeah. Did you ever get to do a slam, Super Neil? Did you ever do any 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 uh, playing of U.S. Open or any of those kind of things? I did not. I, no. I got to spectate. Yeah. <laughs> have a beverage no. on the side. Did you coach anybody? I mean, because you've you've had a great career. Yeah. Let's say, say after now after let's let's move into that part of the, your your life. I know that after the tour, you're actually a USPTA Elite Pro certified high performance coach. I mean, you've done a lot of coaching. Did you ever coach anybody on the tour? You know, around that, you know, to the U.S. Open or anything like that. Yeah, I got to help out quite a bit with uh, some of the guys. Actually, the coach that we were talking about earlier, Dave Licker. Yeah. He, he was coaching Mitchell Kruger and Dane Webb and uh, Shane Vincent. And, I mean, I, I did spend quite a bit of time with those guys. You know, I was kind of like their uh, mentor. You know, I was sort of in between in the age, so I could still get out there and run around and bang balls with them. Yeah, the uh, so, about, a, uh, about a, a year and three months ago when Mitch Kruger won the Challenger here in Dallas, I saw you guys warm up almost every day, right? Yeah, I, I somehow got uh, selected to be his warm-up partner for all of his matches in that tournament. So, so did uh, so maybe like in if if we look back in the archives, if we're talking to Mitch like uh, in a couple of years in 2018, did he put on that mentor paper? I want to be like Super Neil, like he did with Dave Licker. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. But, uh, no, Dave and I have really done some awesome work together in uh, coaching. And, you know, I, I, he's a huge one. I just got to give a big shout out to and thank because I learned, and I've learned from so many coaches, but he's the one that I've probably learned the most from. I'm glad you said that. He, that's a, a natural preview. He's a future guest on the podcast. Yes, he is. We sure secured is. him back in December. He did a lot of traveling, those winter nats yes. and all. 
uh, went to, planned to go to Indian Wells and everything, but that wasn't happening. So he'll be on the show soon. We need to reschedule him. We yeah, just, we need to. We need to get it with his people. We need to get with Super Neil. Yeah, and, and ask if it's okay. You know, maybe if Super <laughs> Neil says it's okay. I, to get I approve. I approve. You approve. Oh, you approve this message? Okay. Yeah, when I was with the Lakes, you know, uh-huh. Dave trusted me with, uh, with some of their top players, and we did get to, uh, you know, I got to travel with some of those girls that have been doing really well, like Savannah ended up winning Wimbledon. Yes, Dubs. Savannah brought us, yeah. Nice local yeah. player. So, yeah, I got to take her and, uh, and Kaylee Evans over to uh, a grade one ITF in Columbia. Uh-huh, in South America. <laughs> How was that? Was that, that was, was cool. that fun? It was great. Yeah, Savannah won the tournament. Kaylee played great. We got to the semis, and uh, we had another girl named Ellie who was traveling with us. She was in Michigan. Uh, she played great as well. Got to the quarters. That's not was, too shabby. You took three girls, quarters, semis, and champion. And Savannah is planning on playing college tennis, and Kaylee is going to Texas Tech for college, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, where's Savannah yeah. headed? Uh, that I think would be a better question for Dave. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll grab, grab Texas Tech. That's the Red Raiders, isn't it? Like, yeah. Get your guns out. <laughs> always on. I know on that it. one. Always <laughs> on it. Hey, hey, real quick, quick yeah. question about just what I was thinking. Is there a difference because you've you've worked with men and women? Is there a difference between coaching the two sexes? Do you think? I'm gonna take a little detour. I like it. Yeah, yeah I, I gotta be a little careful with how I answer this one. Well, that's why I ask you the question. I want, I want you to. Yeah. This is, this is a thought provoker. And, and just I'll so you that. know, uh, we, we talked about some of this, and we weren't careful when we answered this question on a Wednesday show. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So you, you be as careful as you want, or care less as you want. No, I'll be hundred percent honest. Cool. So, I was more used to coaching guys for a long time, and. Um, you know, you really ha- you have to be very direct, or at least the ones that I worked with. I mean, you, you had to. It helped if you got out there and did it with them and kind of beat up on them a little bit, yeah. got a little, little tough on them. And normally they would respond well. I mean, you still got to show that you care about them. You know, occasionally, but you know, put your arm around them, whatever, and say, "Hey, you know what? You're doing a great job." But uh, when I took the job at SMU with the women's tennis team, I uh, I learned that it's, at least in that situation, you really got to, like, that was where I started understanding, like, to get to know the, the person more. Like, they, they really appreciate it. And, and you know, you, it was, it wouldn't be taken very well if you were to yell or, like, you know, somehow talk down to these players. Yeah. It's just... You know, you you gotta converse with them. I mean, they're you know talk to them almost like you know just like peers or you know someone of the you know like a colleague. Like it's it's more it's got to be a little more cooperative. And uh, if they if they know that you care about them, they will play hard for you. I think that's what it comes down to. Um, and folks at home, uh, just something that bears that out is even a year after. Neil was no longer coaching at SMU. Um, I had the joy of attending not just our Great Minds class, but a uh, Steel Mace Flow class at Greater Than Performance and Rehab. And I would say about 40-50% of the women's team who used to be coached by Neil attended with bells on, and they just had the 
the best sweat and the best time. So um, you're not blowing smoke there, pal. It was good. That's that's real. The collaborative or cooperative uh, uh, dialogue you had with them, it's a lasting thing. Well, they're, they're a great group, and I probably learned just as much, if not more, from them than uh, what they learned from me. Do you favor one one to a, another, or do you like both sets of uh, circumstances? Like the guys, you can be more direct. I think what you're saying with women, you have to be a little different. You have to work around the, the edge a little bit, maybe, so to speak, and you still get your yeah, point across. I, not all of them. I mean, you know, certainly you can't, I don't know, it, like, the girls maybe could be a little bit more emotional if you're on the court with them and you know, you just you can't just blow up on them for something like they mm. make a mistake or whatever. I mean, you know, that that usually wouldn't go over well. Whereas maybe on a guy like he actually needs you to do that. Mm. So it's just slightly different. And I I can remember even when I was in college, like it wasn't always like that. You know, sometimes my I remember my coaches going off on me, <clears throat> and it really did not have a good effect. So I, it's not always, you know, girls or guys. It's just, I think it's situational a lot yeah. of it. And it could have been, too, because they were college age, and I was used to coaching more high school, where, you know, you are shaping them a little bit more. You're, you're developing a little more. Versus in college, you're like, you're like, all right, you know, we're working together on this one. Mm-hmm. You think you're working more on the mental mental side of the game in college, maybe in pros, as opposed to the the technical side, maybe as in high school or junior high. You know, when you're first kind of working with kids, is there you you hope that they have those kind of strokes down when they get to maybe the college or professional level? Do you think? Yeah, does that make sense? I mean, they they say the longer you've been in the game, you know, it's, the techniques maybe a little more set in. But I do still believe that you can you can make adjustments quite a bit. Uh, but, yeah, the mental game is super important. Yeah. Physical also, you know, getting fitter, getting quicker, understanding how to recover properly, uh, breathing, you know, stuff like that. I mean, all the intangibles become very important. Yeah, that was a good question, and I do want to apply it not just to women and men, but apply it to you a little bit. At 30-something years old, have you made any technical changes? And uh, uh, I guess the second part of that um, – I don't remember you as being a massive server, and then you did an event, um, a great charity event for Smashing Childhood Cancer, and I think you hit a serve that was heard across the street, and it must have been 135 miles an hour. Oh, man. I, I think you were watching the other guy across the net. <laughs> Marcus. <laughs> Marcus Kerner, he, he, he was, he's, he, uh, he's he was watching that, yeah. it for a second. I don't know Maybe you heard, heard my shank return. As predicted, you are too humble, Neil. Uh, yeah, so tell us about any changes you've made, uh, because you're still maybe not competing on the Pro Tour, but you are hitting with guys who are. Yeah, you know, I've always gotten a kick out of being able to give these high-level guys a good practice. Like, that's, you know, I've always felt that responsibility. You know, I got thrown into some situations early on in my T-Bar days where, you know, I, I was, like, responsible for giving, you know, some really high-level guys a good practice. And I yeah. took it really seriously. Uh, and to this day, I think, you know, if a top-100 player came through and was like, you know, Neil, I need you to get me ready. I got a huge match. I feel like I could. 
great. But uh, my own game, I mean, it's gone in waves. Like, I haven't played, you know, I didn't play for a long time, and um, I, I thought I was probably done, like, around late 20s. And I remember Craig Carcino called me uh, in anticipation of the doubles wildcard tournament over at T-Bar-M. And, you know, the year before, I think my, my buddy and I had lost first round. Felt, you know, really embarrassed. And I was like, all right, I'm not prepared. I haven't practiced. I can't do this again. And Craig was just talking mad shit. Like, <laughs> he's like, come on. And he, of course, he's like, Super Neil, come on. Come on. He's known to he's known to talk shit. A lot. He can do it. Oh yeah, I remember exactly where I was sitting when I said, "All right, fine, I'll try to get a partner." <laughs> yeah, I was I was in my parents' house actually, uh-huh. <laughs> in my old bedroom. Like I didn't know what I was doing up there, but I was sitting in their house and Craig was hounding me. And uh, in fact, the first uh, it's probably too much info, but uh, I called one of my buddies to see if he wanted to play. And he's like, "All right, we got a partner." So what I'm thinking, and I, I call Andrew McCarthy, Northwestern, you know, I, right? I've never even seen him play. Uh-huh. But uh, I really liked Andrew, and he had just moved to Dallas. He was working with me over at C Tennis Center. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And he's just a really physical guy, you know, young, super fast and strong, and all that. Looks a little more like a football player. And he's like, "Yeah, let's do it. Let's play." So we played one practice match with uh, Rafael Valdez and Ron Mercado over at T-Bar at the time. And Andrew went up to serve, and he must have cracked it like 140. And I was like, holy shit, I did not know that you could do that. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. So kind of got off on a tangent a little bit, but... Andrew, like, reawakened another, like, a higher-level doubles in me than I think I had before. So, we, that was 2013. We ended up uh, winning that wildcard tournament unseated. And, um, and then we did it again in 2014 and actually beat the two seeds first round in the main draw. Wow. For the $100,000 challenger. So, Carcino. that was, uh, what's that? Well, I was going to say, Carcino didn't seat you after talking all that smack to you. <laughs> Trying to get you in, and he's like, hey, come on. Show a little love. A little something for, for the Super. You know, come on. I, you know, I'm Super Neil. Second year we came back, and I think he gave us like the three or four seeds. You oh, were seated, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, since you yeah. guys won it last year, I'll just seed you four instead of one. It's like, come on. You know, I just won that one time. <laughs> hey, Andrew, uh, Andrew McCarthy, a little younger than you, also a Big Ten alum, right? He played at Northwestern? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Northwestern. His two older brothers were teammates of mine at Indiana. Okay. <clears throat> Ryan McCarthy and Michael McCarthy. And then youngest brother, Devin, played at Ohio State. So, wow. Four Big Ten guys. That's remarkable family. I'm surprised you didn't play with the Marshman in, in the tournament. Or did uh, did you go, ah, I don't need the Marshman. You know, we already won a tournament up in Kenosha, Wisconsin. That's good enough. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to try another Big Ten alum. Mm. Or is he playing with somebody yeah. else, just out of curiosity? Or is he even around? He probably wasn't even around at that time. Because he went, yeah, he, he lived in other he places. He was in Atlanta, yeah. yeah. Probably at Georgia Tech or someplace. Yeah. State. Georgia State, there we yeah, go. Yeah, he, he, was, he was gone. He was either at TCU, busy at that time, or he was gone in Atlanta. Gotcha. gotcha. That's a good right, excuse so. right there. So yeah, I, I like just, it. I was just checking, making sure that, yeah. that uh, yeah, you, you didn't, uh, you know, 
throw, throw old, old Marshman under the under the bus and get a new partner, right? <laughs> hey, um, shifting gears just a little bit, um, we've been talking about your tennis and the technical side. You've made a couple references to being uh, injured in a couple different parts of your body before. How are you never injured now? And take us through some of the things that you do or that you've done. Yeah, well, you're, you're spot on. I mean, injury has been a huge part of my, my tennis career. And, uh, I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to say that I'm not ever injured now. I mean, I've got little things here and there. But I've really just, you know, I did not enjoy feeling like I left something on the table. Yes. And, and I think, yeah, I think a lot of people can relate to that. Like, you just, you know, you get injured, you get out of the game, you think that you're going to come back and kind of like halfway do it. Just, you know, that's kind of what I did. You know, I'd start playing again and then things would start hurting. And, you know, it was frustrating because I'd want to go hard, but then I just, you know, some my body would break down. Yeah. And it was, it was a lot of imbalances. You know, and I can't say that it wasn't all of my training because I do have some scoliosis in my spine so it's kind of a crooked spine and I think that that contributed to a lot of the stuff that was you know just getting into my injuries but with that said going through coaching in college and juniors and just honestly I, I wanted to take a break and just go devote some time to research and taking the courses you know we We've spoken about the Czech Institute. You know, I went out there and I took their holistic lifestyle coaching program, levels one and two. Mm-hmm. Took their exercise coach program and just learned a great deal about posture and mobility and just you know some natural stuff. And uh, it, I mean, I, I kept going. You know, you, you guys, we've talked about all this stuff with Onnit and the Steel Maze. Yeah. And this this is 2018. Let's, let's go ahead and get into the second segment because I think I think okay. this is really fascinating. Yeah. About what you did. This was around 2018 ish somewhere in that. Exactly two years ago, right now, right yeah. where you left college coaching. You're right. Exactly two years ago. And yeah, and that was yeah that was a huge decision. Like I quit a job that I really enjoyed, and I did it because I knew for you know I felt honestly a sense of purpose. You know, I felt like it was my responsibility to, to the world, you know, and at least to the sport of tennis mm-hmm. to, to go do this research and come back in when I was ready with, with some new stuff that I, that I think can help, pe- help keep people in the game longer and performing better and really enjoying it more. Too. Yeah. And that's, that, yeah, that's really what I've been doing the past two years. I'm showing, I'm showing a picture of a mace right here. I'm trying to get, get AJC with and, the mace here. And this thing's only 10 pounds, but right. when swung properly, it can feel like a lot more, right? Oh, yeah. So yeah. Th- th- where'd you find the steel mace? Because this is like a pugilistic stick that's just weighted. How, how did you figure out about the steel mace? I'm interested to know about that. I don't think I've ever asked you that question. Because I, I know a lot about the mace because I have a mace, uh, courtesy of AJC and, and you as well. Yeah. What? What, why, why the mace? Why wasn't uh, kettlebells like Coach Clint, your, your other mace brother? He does more. It seems like a lot of kettlebell work. What, what was, what's it about the mace that, that fascinated you with on it and that kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't 
initially wasn't just the mace. I mean, it was really just the understanding of how to move my body, like, you know, different ways and how to, how to access, like, I mean, it's going to sound kind of, kind of nerdy, but I was all into posture because I realized that my own posture was so jacked up. And so I wanted to learn, you know, why was it so, how it was and what can I do to to help it get better? But at the same time, doing stuff that's not super boring. Mm. Right? Because who wants to go and do a bunch of rehab exercises? So I learned about just proper ways to do the basic primal movement patterns, how to start coaching people into it. You know, we're talking like just basic stuff like squatting, hinging, bending from the hips, uh, a.k.a. like, you know, driving your butt back towards the the back wall, whatever, uh, without rounding your back. Stuff like that that I just didn't even really understand before, uh, which shocked me because I considered myself a really fit guy that moved well. Yeah. But I quickly realized that I, I didn't move well at all. My body it was so limited. So through those studies, really it was in Austin at on it. I think it was the second certification I took there at durability, which was a lot of a lot of body weights, um, mobility exercises, quite a bit of ground based stuff. And I met Mr. Leo Savage, who was out there on the brakes, like swinging his mace, was doing all kinds of cool stuff. And I, I was just really impressed by, by the way he moved. And he was very, um, very welcoming, you know, very eager to share more about what he had done and his story. So that's how I started getting into the mace. And then I took a few workshops with him. Went back through on it, took several more courses, and, you know, I just came to realize that the the steel mace provided me with a very fun way, fun and engaging way, to practice movements that would actually reinforce the type of posture I was was striving to to achieve. And, you know, it it was fun. I kept practicing, and before you know it, I didn't even feel like I was working out, but I started seeing changes in my body and how I moved and even how I looked and felt. Really? Yeah. Um, I hear it in your voice. Um, you know, you, you've said the word fun a few times, and, and I fully agree. I, I love working with the mace, and um, sometimes you use the word primal. Tell us a little bit about that. I, I'm, I'm putting... You know, I might be putting some words in your mouth, but I equate the primal feeling and the excitement I have swinging that thing up and down, like it's like you said, pugilistic. Uh, it's a it's a war weapon, but it's also so balancing and, like you said, fun. Tell us a little bit about how you feel about it, and maybe you can transition into primal tennis, which is a class that you run. Yeah. So yeah, primal. I mean, that's just to me, it, it makes sense. Um, Paul Check had his primal movement patterns, uh-huh. which was already kind of in the back of my mind. But you know, it's back to the roots. And the more I got, the deeper I got into my studies and research, and just deciding really what I stood for, the less stuff I wanted around me. Yes, you know, I wanted to get down to like you know bare minimum, and body weight, not even wear shoes, you know, the barefoot, you don't even need a shirt, (laughs) just go outside and, you know, you've got this one tool 
and you feel like a you know like an ancient warrior but at the same time it's it's peaceful so you know it's not like you're just going into battle you you may be battling through you know something on your own but you're you're just you're just getting like in touch with yourself you you want you want to go battle uh, with the mace you want to go battle uh, like a tyrannosaurus rex you know caveman you can (laughs) 20,000 years ago you, you want to go over there and Bang somebody on the head with a stick, right? Right, and you can freak a lot of people out. You know, no one's gonna <laughs> yeah. come up. Well, the one you use, the big one, yeah, that freaks a lot of people. It looks like a shrunken tribesman's head from, you know, Guinea. You know, you got on there on that thing. guy's approach, you know, you just gotta. That's great. Deliver, deliver the uppercut. Right now, uh, we're talking with Neil Kinner. Neil, do uh, you have a website? Tell everybody your website and where they can find out more about your information, what you're doing. Where you can, you know, your classes and all that kind of stuff. Let, let them know real quick. Yeah, so my website is pretty easy to remember. It's just my name, neilkenner.com. And it's, you know, it's going to list out the classes that I teach. I do some fitness and tennis combined classes. Primal Tennis is that one, which AJ mentioned earlier. Yep. It's basically like a, uh, you know, most... Most people listening have probably heard of primal or um, cardio tennis, and so primal tennis is something I created to really blend all of the, the great things that I learned in more flow-based movement with the steel mace, along with some higher intensity uh, interval-style tennis drills. Some mm-hmm. of my favorite tennis drills. So it's just a it's a fun workout, and it's it's like. It's social, too. It's, it's open to any level. There's no one on the other side of the net, so you can just go out there and crush balls Yeah. and not, not worry about screwing up someone else's practice. The, the, do, you, fun. do you do your mace workouts where you go on the road? I mean, so if people are listening all over the, the country, the world, sometimes we yeah. get people, a lot of people, will you travel? Will you do things like that? I guess for a price. So yeah. I, I'll travel, yeah, but really I'm, I'm breaking into the online scene. I'm really enjoying doing uh, some stuff on Zoom. I'm actually currently working on a steel mace starter kit with uh, some movements and understandings of um, posture that I think will really help people have a have a nice place to start when they do get their first mace, especially if they are maybe a little bit shy to, to join in on a class right away. Can they pick up, uh, had, can they pick up maces at your site real quick? Sorry about that. I didn't mean to interrupt. Can they pick up a mace at your website? Well, I I, I do. I link to the maces on it because those are the ones that I really enjoy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, But full disclosure on it seems to sell out of them very quickly. Yeah. So uh, if you're in the Dallas area, I typically have uh, extra ones on hand that I'm I'm willing to uh, sell. But, um, yeah, online programming is really something that I'm diving into now because I just I'm I love that you can reach so many people and uh, it's I mean it's, it's helpful it's actually needed yeah uh, it's, it, I, I would have said that even before the era of COVID-19 but even more so now I uh, I, I enjoy that stuff uh, you mentioned on it I took one body weight class groundwork and while I was there I felt kind of fortunate to have purchased us Oh. Maces, uh, clubs, and they had almost everything in stock. 
and uh, you know, so I, I caught him at a good time. It was really, yeah. it was really nice. But I, it's nice that you have extras. Um, I know Clint does too. And um, and th this is, this is a question that we, we were planning for a bit later. But let me ask you this: What do you see as the future of online instruction uh, in this era where gyms aren't really able to do very well these days? Future of, of online training and fitness. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to have a pretty powerful role, honestly. You know, I, you can go out and really decide what you want to learn and who you would like to learn from, and you can do it from the comfort of your own home, which, you know, it's... It's different when you go to a gym. I mean, you have to you drive there, so there's yeah. time right there. Uh, as opposed to if you're at home, you can just flip on your screen and, and go. It's awesome. But but really, even more so, being by yourself. I know some people may struggle to get motivated a little bit, but having something in front of you and having someone lay out the workout and even do it with you. A lot of these are follow along style. Um, it's it kind of like gets you past that whole you know being distracted or you know fear of judgment at the gym I mean a lot of the movements that, that I do are kind of funny looking I, I wouldn't be joking if I uh, I said that I felt a little goofy sometimes in the gym doing some of that stuff but uh, no I think online is a big part of the future do I think people will still go to the gym and crush heavy weights? Absolutely. Of course. They will, for sure. Um, but I think the challenge for online is going to be how do you create that sense of community, which some people want to get from the gym or from group classes or whatever, and also just being, being like regular, you know, making it a habit, making it part of your structured day. Well, I think there's something getting in a car and going somewhere. I think, yeah. And then there's also something just to, to uh, doing something on your own at, at your house. So I think there's probably a complementary piece. And I think that we're just in this COVID uh, time, people realize that there's there's benefits to both. I think you. Know, I, th I like the social aspect of yep. the the uh, the gym. Let's say, and I, I do like the isolated one-on-one, -on -one, you know, maybe with a class setting like that, with maybe an instructor and yourself. Because those who could, to be honest, it's, it's it's like learning a new dance step. Or you know, the the mace is, is fun, and you know, kind of being able to do this kind of on your own in your own space, you know, you don't feel as intimidated as you would in a class. So I like like that aspect. That's just me because I'm I'm I've got two left feet. And when we did that mace workout, I was always you were saying going right, and I was going left. So you know, I, I'm never able to figure out uh, you know, the movement, but I did have have a lot of fun, and I think that uh, that's why. I've enjoyed having my mace for a couple of years. They're in my office, and yeah. and I brought it with me along to our bunker here at uh, in Dallas yeah. uh, at our sequestered location, unknown to the universe other than just AJ and I. It's it's funny. It's unknown to the universe. When I make uh, Instagram posts and I put the location, and when I say the bunker, it actually recognizes the bunker. Well, so yes. maybe the universe yeah. knows, yes. but the, hopefully the people don't yet. Yeah. And maybe yeah. Art Bell. Yeah, yeah. Art Bell, conspiracy. Yes, uh, shout out to Art Bell. Yeah, Craig's uncle. Hey, uh, I, I do want to mention something about Flo. Um, Neil, you're 
uh, not injured. You move smoothly. I myself as a tennis coach and just as a guy trying to get fitter in my own backyard do some barefoot workouts. I've done some um, drills where I'm hitting or the student that I'm working with, whether it's a nationally ranked kid or just somebody who moved, moves kind of, I'm going to use this word, I don't know if this is a thing, but moves kind of roughly and, and banging, banging around a bit. And then you look at a Pete Sampras or a Roger Federer and you feel like, God, he looks barefoot. He looks like um, a gazelle or a cheetah and he's just not going to get hurt. Tell us a little bit about how you're moving now and, and the, um, you know, the barefoot idea. Yeah, that's, that's a really awesome thing to bring up. Um, so smooth movement yeah. to me is, yeah, I mean, it's very important. It can help you, I mean, it can help you in so many ways. The, uh, the injuries seem to happen when, you know, you're fighting against something. Yes. And whereas flow, you know, you're going with it. You're, you know, you're like falling into these steps that it looks like you're, you're meant to fall into. And it's a more natural way of moving. So when you're talking about being barefoot, I do think that that is, you know, that's a nice natural way that we're probably supposed to be a lot more than we are. And especially these tennis shoes that we wear that a lot of times will, uh, <laughs> You know, my, my toes get crushed. And, you know, it's just like... It's it's true. And the heels are high. I feel like I'm six one and a half in some tennis shoes. I can't stand it. And I'm really not even six feet tall. And uh, when I wear these, which is just the old school Stan Smiths, I feel like I move better. And then on the grass at home... Oh, uh, one, one other quick point. At the gym, not everybody is barefoot. And, and unless the teacher is asking for that, you know, you're not doing it. And if I work out at home with a Zoom or with an app on the iPad, I am definitely barefoot in the backyard, and there's just no inhibitions and no pressure and all that. Yeah. So just a, a little support that's for, a huge, for that. Yeah. That's, that's a nice factor. I thought you were going to say you wear your high heels when you're at home. <laughs> oh, okay. then Was that Kelly's high heels? <laughs> I am not going to fit in that girl's shoes. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I do not want to be six three and a half in those damn things. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the, uh, the barefoot at home, I mean, yeah. that is such a good way to train. And I, yeah, I'm not going to be foolish. Like, you got to wear shoes, especially on a tennis court. But I think if you can at least sneak in ways to, uh, to to wake up all those nerves in the bottom of your feet, I mean, you got some, I don't remember the exact number, but there is a lot going on down there. Yeah. You know, so it's the more that you can get those things working and, you know, get your mobility in your feet, your ankles, your toes. I mean, it's, it's only going to feed into less issues up the rest of your body, you know, with the knees and stuff like that. Uh, the other thing, too, why I really like to go barefoot, especially yeah. in grass, is the, um, the grounding benefits. The, uh, the PEMF, the Pulsed Electromagnetic, what is it, field frequency? Yes. Um, you know, we got all this talk of EMFs going around with the 5G. People have this kind of constant, like, low-grade stress that just sits, you know, people are feeling kind of anxious. And, I mean, I, you know, I'm no different. Like, I, I feel that way sometimes. And, of course. Uh, I, I do find, yeah, like, going outside, putting my bare feet in the ground, and um, practicing some movement, 
with breath is is an excellent way to uh, to feel better, and a lot of that mace movement lends itself to just that. Neil, you mentioned breath work. We're about to get to it. Craig, yeah. you have a question. Well, I just I just wanted to yeah. comment. I just want to say you got to watch out for the fire ants and the goat heads. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you have tough feet. Yeah. If you live in Texas, you'll know what I mean. <laughs> so there we go. So that's, it. that's just my two cents, and I'm just going to give you that that, that little piece of that's, fatherly advice. To that's a good meal. point. you got to find some new grass. <laughs> and, and my fatherly advice is take good care of your lawn. Right. Then you don't have to worry about that. Or, or so I, I'm lucky my back one is, is looking pretty good. You can find good grass in Austin, I've heard. <laughs> just leave it at that. Yeah. I've heard. <laughs> keep, keep Austin weird. Right. Our, our good buddy, Pison, yeah. said that he, he went by your house, Super Neil, on his 25-mile bike ride. So he, he was saying hi to you. I don't know if, you, if you're if you on uh, Facebook with us or not, but uh, Pison said uh, hi to Super Neil. He, yeah, he, he says hello. Oh. He was training in our down in our hood today. I wish I'd seen him. I was on a bike ride, not quite 25 miles, but um, oh, I, I could have run into him and giving him a distant six-foot high-five. Well, I wonder if he had his shoes on. I bet. <laughs> For biking. Yeah. Hey, let's get into breath work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love the grounding, and let's talk about breath work. Cool. Yeah, what, what do you want to talk about? Well, um, um, how many kinds are you doing, and what are you doing, uh, say, first thing in the morning uh, and in the evenings to get to sleep well? I recognize sleep as the number one uh, performance-enhancing drug, if you will, uh, possible, and it's basically free. So I want you to take us through some of the things that you do to uh, ramp up in the mornings, to calm down in the evenings, and what uh, what pieces of advice you can give a tennis player who is either, you know, m- most tennis players aren't perfectly in tune with that moment at that moment. Sometimes they're too geeked up to play very, very well, and some tennis players, very few, I would think, are too calm to play very, very well. So maybe you can take us through all three, morning, evening, and tennis match. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, in the morning, no. um, you know, I, I've, I've played with a few different things. But the very first thing I like to do, believe it or not, is actually start with a few deep breaths just to with the sense of calming. Mm. So no, nothing too crazy. Um, I, I have played with some of the Wim Hof stuff, yeah. you know, where you, it's, it's kind of the opposite, right? You're just re- taking in a bunch of air really fast, really fast, and you hold your breath and hold it at the bottom. And uh, it's energizing. It really wakes you up. And so, uh, in fact, I've got a pretty good friend that, that teaches workshops. Wim Hof workshops. She's been in Dallas. Uh, I went to see her. I guess it was probably about five months ago. Uh-huh. But um, I, I like that stuff a lot. And I know that we're talking about breath, but uh, combining that with the cold really gets you going. Definitely for sure. Is that through the nose or yeah. through the mouth? Just out of curiosity, do you breathe through through the nose? I've heard you know, both. Do you, do you, are you a mouth? So, no. Well, for, for the Wim Hof thing, because you're going so fast, typically you just, I mean, the way he says it, he, he says just get it in no yeah. matter how you do it. So I believe his exact words were breathe, motherfucker, or something. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. He, he's, uh, p- pardon his, I was going to say pardon his French, but pardon his Dutch there. That's Dutch. Yeah, that's yeah. his native tongue. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like gold member. <laughs> 
otherwise I really breathe through my nose a lot and I, I've started noticing that even more like I'm anytime I'm looking to, to I guess chill you know it's, it's nose breathing and unless I go past a certain threshold where I've really got to be intense I'm consciously breathing through my nose and uh, I have played with some alternate um, alternate nostril breathing just in one out the other nice and slow do you use your finger for that or do you actually shut it down I use my finger yeah yeah but it's you know, some people have gotten a lot deeper into it I, I'm more I kind of put it into categories of either get me jacked up yeah or get, get me relaxed and for most of yeah, you know, most of what I do right now, I, I tend to just try to keep myself pretty relaxed, uh, especially at night <laughs> and before I eat. Yeah. I'll take a few deep breaths. And a lot of times people will, like if I'm out eating somewhere, I'll have my food sitting in front of me and I'm just kind of like looking at it. And I've had people come up and be like, hey, is everything okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm just like taking some breaths before I eat. They've never nice. seen, like, at a restaurant, they've never seen something that intentional, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I've kind of got this new thing that I've been doing recently where uh, I know a lot of people do it, but you just, before you eat, you just stop, take a few breaths, think about something you're grateful for, and then dive in. That sounds centuries old, and uh, that brings me... Uh, we'll get back to the, um, that was a great answer on breathing. We'll get back to the tennis um, angle of breathing, but uh, it reminds me a little bit of something Novak uh, Djokovic was saying in two talks. You know, last week he did an Instagram Live with Wim Hof on Monday, and then he calls it his self-mastery. I think he calls it project. And he had Chervin uh, Jaffare, I think is his name. Chervin333 is his Instagram handle. They talked about grounding. They talked about being barefoot. They were big on breath work. And Novak's morning routine includes, and pre-meal routine, uh, inspired by his grandfather in a big way, was to uh, be intentional and ask for God's blessing and to, to pray and meditate and breathe before eating. Um, the, one of the questions I wanted to ask you before we get back sort of on the court with the breathing is um, uh, how do you feel when a Racket magazine or a Ben Rothenberg might give um, a celebrated tennis name like like Novak Djokovic a little bit of static and a little bit of flack for being so into natural cures and natural methods of uh, maintaining catabolism and metabolism? I mean, I think everyone's entitled to his own opinion. But I definitely would side with Novak on that stuff. I mean, I, I, think, I think he knows exactly what he's doing. And, um, you know, you have to be in a certain mindset to, to be able to make that work for you. Yeah. You, you have to really be willing to believe in it. Otherwise, if you don't, you know, if you just kind of go through the motions and you're not really believing that it's having an effect, it may not. But I, I definitely think that Novak is uh, he's on to he has been on to something for quite some time. 
He's, you know, I, I think I mentioned it earlier, I wasn't a massive fan of Novak when he would, you know, he looked like a little bit of a faker. He was, you know, not always genuine with injury timeouts and excuses and in the press. So I wasn't a massive fan, and now I respect the heck out of him, even though as sort of Federer admirers, I love Fed's game, I love the one-hander and how fluid and beautiful and smoothly he moves. Um, and it was a bit of a heartbreaker to see him lose the Wimbledon final almost a year ago with those match points and all. But then you, I start learning more and more about Novak's methods and how intentional he is about healing himself and uh, how mentally strong this guy is a beast on, uh, on the court mentally, which, of course, brings us back into breathing methods and on the court. Um, take us through some of the stuff that you do or some of the stuff that you do for elite-level players when you're hitting with them, like a Mitch Kruger or Kaylee Evans or Savannah Broadus or any of these kids. Yeah, so with, um, yeah, number one, you got to get to know your player. I mean, that's, that's like, first thing. Yeah. You've got different styles. Um, I, I'll just use Kaylee as an example. Good. She, you know, I got to spend some great time with her, but she did really well with drills where she got to, like, push herself hard physically. Like, she really liked to, to go hard. And that intensity and, like, hitting a lot of balls with that intensity just made her made her feel confident. And uh, I was very similar. You know, I, I just, I needed to hit a lot of those balls to get the confidence. But I think, you know, moving from practice to uh, where, and then with Mitch, was, you know, Mitch is a professional tennis player. Yeah. He's been doing, doing it for years. And he's very intuitive with what he feels like he needs. You know, he's, he's open to coaching all the time. You know, he wants feedback and all that. But he will, um, he'll let you know if he feels like he's, he's good for the day or if he wants a little more or something. And you just, you just have to listen to the player. Mm. And observe and listen and, and, you know, give your feedback. But ultimately it's, you know, it's their game. Some of our listeners can really use that. A lot of our listeners do work with elite players and a lot work with club players, and a lot are the club players sure. we're talking yeah. about. So I, I appreciate your answer that, that a coach has to listen to the player a little bit. Uh, I think we can all learn from that. Yeah, you got to listen. And the other thing, too, if you, especially these days, like when you're looking to make changes with somebody, you've got to have you got to be good at explaining why. you got to have good reasons of why you want someone to do something. And if you can show them, you know, like, I mean, whether it's through stats or video or whatever, they're, they're so much more likely to buy in, yeah. and then they'll do, do the work. Is there anything, so, like, as, as a player, I'm thinking from a player standpoint, can you give them one tip without giving too many things away, because I want them to go to your website and your classes and things like that about breathing is there one thing that they could focus in on some some little nugget something that that a, a person that's not necessarily a coach can take away maybe just one little quick tip that uh, as far as breathing you know do you want to hold your breath for 10 seconds do you uh, uh, breathe in breathe out 10 times kind of what what uh, would super neil uh, recommend for a player just just listening to this uh, broadcast and then to get you to uh, get them to come over to to uh, be a part of your uh, your programs. 
Well, <laughs> find your ideal level of arousal or mm-hmm. excitement when you're playing. Some people just tend to need to get themselves up a little more, whereas others might need to kind of chill themselves out. Uh, that's important. You've got to understand which type of player you are. That's true. And uh, is there is there a breathing technique yeah. for either one of them? Let's say that I, I uh, want to. I uh, want yeah. To... Okay. So I would recommend after when a point ends to uh, to probably calm yourself because you know, you're going to think more clearly. So I usually coach players to to do their best to slow down the breathing in between and um, when they go up to the line that's where maybe they need to like jump up and down a little bit you know get the feet going really just wake themselves up again and that will uh, you know, that I, I don't get super specific on, on how to breathe going into the point it's more just how to like slow things down in between so instead of rushing through after after the point's over with then uh, taking a, a pre-selected amount of time to uh, go get the ball, uh, compose yourself, come back, and then arouse yourself, as you say. You know, you know, however you do it, jumping around, bouncing around, you know, yeah. moving your head. Self-talk is huge. Yeah. I mean, you you got to get yourself pumped up, you know, encourage yourself sure. constantly. Yeah, because I think that's important because a lot, lot, we do have some coaches that, that listen to this, and we also have some players who listen to this. So that's mm-hmm. that's one good thing. That's that's the, the real nugget that I think that you know people will uh, take away that uh, Super Neil can help them with. You know, because you, you've got you know some classes and things like that, and I'm sure you dive into this more about the particular techniques, procedures. Like I said, I don't want to go into it too much because you want people to come and we want people to be a part of your program and. And to enjoy, you know, the uh, as you you term connecting uh, various aspects of life, you know, tennis, fitness. I think that was a, you know, I was, I was doing a little research on uh, your website, and I like the word connector is what yeah. you used uh, of many worlds, right? Yeah, I, I like to connect things. Right. No, um, I, I, like I, I, w- I will say I, I left out one very important thing when you're playing. I totally forgot. But it's probably the most important thing. Smile, <laughs> for me at least. Like you gotta, you have to enjoy it. The second that you, you start stressing out too much, I mean, like that's why I played so much better as an older guy. Yeah. Because you know I was able to like see it for what it was and really just enjoy it. And uh, yeah, you, you got to make sure you, you smile while you're doing it. Otherwise, why are you why you out there? I think I think that's a great point. I, I mean, that's anything in life in general. Yeah, uh, is uh, people can tell if you're smiling, even like on the phone. Even I, I, just answering the telephone. Yeah, right. I've reminded my staff like, hey, smile on the phone, because people people can see that and they can feel that that presence of what you're just talking about right, yeah. right there. That's a great point. Even like we're on on uh, the broadcast tonight, and when you said smile, we we both smiled. We both did. We're doing like it right camera. now. And and that you, you can tell when people are enjoying yeah. what they're doing just from a smile. It doesn't necessarily have to be uh, in, in a literal term uh, of a uh, in in language, but just just the emotion itself can can lead to uh, uh, that. I like like I said, I like that connecting word that that uh, all the worlds kind of working together from a uh, the 
solid foundation, principles, holistic method. Yeah, I think that you know, your training is, is definitely on this side of the uh, table, not just the tennis side, but, but through uh, the various uh, classes you've taken in the last couple of years. It's, yeah. it's been a fa really interesting. I, I've learned a lot just even from tonight because I knew that you were doing this. I didn't know exactly you know, what you were doing, but I had kind of an idea. But, but, but tonight has really been an eye-opener about the experiences that you brought forth, and, and uh, I'm sure you're doing a lot of great work with, with people who are in, uh, enjoying your classes. Uh, you do them mostly down at SMU or just kind of where, wherever? Do you go to the park, or where do you, where do you go? Where do you hang out? So, yeah, if people want to be a part of what I'm doing, I run, I run a Tuesday night adult tennis group at SMU, which has been off for the past two months uh, due to the, you know, <clears throat> discouragement of large group gatherings. But uh, it's a fun, you know, advanced tennis group, which yeah, it's pretty much just fast-paced doubles games, and it's, you know, it's, it's an awesome workout. It's, you know, you get people moving and meeting different people. It's kind of a bit of a networking thing, too. Can, can we uh, come? AJ and I, we need to we, come. We have love you been? it. Have you been? I've, I oh, know so many people lunch. who've been. We would really? love it, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, what, 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 I, what I go to is Primal, and or I've been to, and the Wednesday nights at Greater Than. And you, I'm sure you're about to get to that. But, yeah, sorry. Sorry to interrupt, but I love those. Yeah, yeah, those are fun. So so that's like my tennis crew. Mm -hmm. um, my tennis and fitness, you've already touched on with the Primal Tennis which is basically like my version of the cardio tennis. But it's, to me, I call it like the full spectrum of training because we hit, we hit pretty much everything you can imagine all in 75 minutes. And it's fun. It's a great date idea too, couples. <laughs> but uh, there's that, which I, I do both of those at SMU. And, uh, and then I've got my fitness classes, which... I was teaching one on Wednesday nights at Greater Than Performance Rehab, and I was teaching one Fridays at uh, Loops Locker. Um, the Zoom classes, honestly, have been quite a bit more uh, popular than the live ones, to be honest with you. And so I'm teaching now Wednesday night, 6.15 Central, and uh, Saturday morning at 9.15. And both of those are still miss workouts where, you know, we do some flow and I'll mix in some, uh, maybe a little more like supercharged movements as well. So it's, it's fun, man. It's a really, really fun, fun workout. And there's people from all over that get to join. So and, you can, really and you can find that on your website, right? Yes, you can find it on the website. And I am, like I said, I'm working on a, a beginner, like starter kit. So people can feel more confident to join these classes because a lot of people are just trying to set up private sessions with me, uh, which is okay, but I'm only able to do, you know, so many privates. So, you know, I'm really just going to start steering them towards that, because I think, you know, for basically the price of a half-hour private lesson, they're going to be able to get everything they need, you know, to feel confident with, with the classes. And then moving forward... Um, you know, I'm really just, I've got some ideas, some content that I've been working on to uh, just to get out to people and, you know, get them, get them moving and learn more about the mace and just about moving in general, being healthy. You know, might not all be mace. <laughs> yeah. Also working on a tennis-specific one, too, which 
might take me just a little more time to put together, but so many of these movements I do are amazing for tennis players. Like for wrist health, elbow, shoulder. The, uh, the 360, which is that signature move where they kind of look like a barbarian swinging it around your head. My favorite, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a cool-looking move, but it is so good for the serve. It's amazing for the serve. Yeah, there was a time I, I was serving almost 130, and then I just got stiffer and older, and I wasn't, unlike Craig, who still serves, <laughs> absolutely huge. And okay. because I've done mace work, of course it's made me stronger. But right. it, it, more importantly, it has made me more flexible, and I have range now. So I'm hitting you know, just a much taller kick and hitting, hitting it much harder and able to do it three or four days a week now where there was a time I'd want to hit one or two massive serves and then, you know, I'm kind of hurting for the next day. You're up to 25, 30 yeah. miles an hour? <laughs> That's it, yeah. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. So that 360 move, if I may add, Neil, uh, tennis specific, anything that you do that has a pivot in it, I feel is such a tennis move, don't you? Yeah, so there's, there's two ways that I look at it. Yeah. One is, yeah, when you're pivoting, you're working that, that action movement where you need to be firing ground stroke or serve or whatever, uh, or just exploding out of a corner. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's very applicable to the sport. But then I also like to train uh, the rotation of shoulders while the hips stabilize uh -huh. or an anti-rotate to, uh, to specifically increase the degree of rotation from the thoracic spine. So like from that upper and mid-back, if you can... If you can rotate a little more, that can help you get more on your shots for sure and not have to borrow from other areas. But in order to do that, you, uh, you need to have some good posture because a rounded back does not rotate as much as, you know, a, a spine that is, is more vertical. Do, do, you put, do you put it, your, a lot of your breathing techniques in with your mace techniques into tennis? Do they all kind of work together without getting into too yeah. much detail? I, I don't want yeah because you know, so, I don't want to sell you I, I don't want you to sell your classes right here and you know I want, no, you, I, want, okay. I want all the secret um, sauce to be in, in the uh, in the in the program there where people can find it right but yeah, you work, you I'll incorporate all of this that, but I'll talk about it here anyways <laughs> do it do okay. it we like that yeah so really I if I'm if I'm going at low intensity I typically will breathe as I go into extension. So anytime I'm working up or like moving away from the fetal position, I will generally inhale. And then as I move into flexion or more towards, you know, curling my, my body up like a ball or whatever coming down, I will exhale. And that, that that's more of like a meditative style of breathing, but it changes if I up the intensity. So let's say I, you know, go from that you know, that lower intensity breathing, and then all of a sudden I'm mimicking a, you know, like an intense tennis ground stroke or a wood chop or something. I'll then inhale as if I were about to, like, blast the serve, and then I'll exhale as I explode with the movement. So being able to shift back and forth, I think, is, is a pretty nifty feature. <laughs> uh, it's a nifty feature physically, but uh, as I've found, you know, Craig and I are both um, accomplished tennis players, but... Uh, when he joked that he has two left feet with dancing, oh, I, maybe three. I, I never knew that I did, but 
Then you, you do some steel mace flow, and I realize that a part of my brain, I, I feel like as a tennis player, we're good at improv and defense, or we have to be good at improvising and, and reacting to a ball, but we have to be good at acting and attacking. And I feel like both those parts of my game are there, but this has helped me. Steel mace flow in general, even just whether I'm following you guys, you teachers, or I'm just doing it on my own, it has helped me try to, uh, I'll use the word choreograph, it has helped that part of my brain that wasn't really awake as a tennis-only guy, it has helped me get smarter in those ways, and it's challenging, and it's not easy, but to shift gears from this kind of breathing to the more aggressive style of breathing, to shift gears between, okay, am I supposed to do shield, and then I'm going to draw back, and then I'm going to pivot, just that choreographed thing that, I mean, there are eight-year-old ballerinas who are infinitely better than I am at it, but I believe it has awakened a, a little couple of parts of the brain. What do you think about that, Neil? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's huge. The ability to go back and forth with that, and, you know, crossing from your left side of your body to your right side, I mean, there's just there's so many benefits throughout the brain and, and just, you know, the heart rate stuff, which I, I do need to get myself up to date a little bit uh-huh. uh, technology-wise on that. Uh, Jeff Nivolo, the, the new women's coach at SMU, yeah. did a fantastic job with, with that type of uh, heart rate monitor training. He, so I, uh, I'm, learning, I'm learning more from him. He actually. straps the players with the heart rate monitor under their clothing, on their chests, and he explores ways to get their heart rates back down between points, is it? Uh, I, I'm not sure what the device, like where it is on their body, uh-huh. but um, yeah, they, they track, like they know exactly where the, the heart rate is while they're practicing and that's awesome. They've got target places where they're wanting to go. That, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah, that, uh, certain ranges, right? Different people have. Uh, do different people have different ranges, or is it? Are you trying to generally get everybody to a certain point, maybe a, a baseline? No, uh, uh, everyone is a little different, and I think just understanding the players and over time, you know, that that stuff will change for sure with training. But a big thing that that I would say just. You know, having not taken too deep of a dive into it, is your ability to get your heart rate back down quickly after going high intensity is very valuable. You know, that's like like in tennis. Yeah. You play a huge point, you're getting all excited. You've got only a limited amount of time to get back to you know, to resting before you go play again. So when are your classes going to be out, you, or the ones that you're working on right now? If anybody's interested that's listening to the podcast, when do you think you'll have everything? Kind of, are you looking at a month, two months, six months from now? Uh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm looking at, like, next week or two, honestly. Oh, okay. The first one will be coming out. Yeah. Oh, that's great. By the end of the month, almost. Yeah, yeah, it should be. Okay, that's great. Yeah, I didn't realize that... Yeah. Uh, I thought maybe this was the work, you know, maybe at the summertime, but, you know, you're looking just right around the corner, basically. You've got a lot done. I am, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I was really working on this stuff before the, you know, the corona and yeah. all that. <clears throat> it just it allowed me to, or kind of forced me into speeding it up. You know, <laughs> as you guys know, you're not really supposed to be on the tennis court. 
So yeah. I didn't touch a board for almost two months and uh, just focused entirely on on the fitness aspect. And, and steel mace has been huge. I mean, I, I played tennis for the first time last Sunday. And, uh, I mean, I, like, I felt really good. Serve was huge. Like, you were yeah. about well, he's super yeah. new, right, Rafi? Yeah. Rafi is super yeah. new, isn't he? Yeah, well, he's sort of yeah. massive, no? He's, uh, he's like, uh, he's the same height as me, but he's sort of so much bigger. I don't know how he does it. Hey, you, you know, you're probably, if you took a couple of super new classes, I think Rafa might do better, don't you think, Rafa? What I need to do is take a few classes from Neil in Spanish so I can sound like, <laughs> so I can sound like Rafa speaking oh, Spanish. Oh, there you go. I, I did it once did for, for actually one of our colleagues, one of your colleagues, Neil, I, I did, uh, oh, hola a todos, and, and, and she was like, oh, you're going to do it in Spanish. And I was like, no, I don't actually That's speak it. Spanish. I just, I just <laughs> pretend to speak Spanish. <laughs> Sad. So, yeah, I'll, I'll try to learn some of that. <laughs> CB, let's yep. go uh, yep. set three, shall should, we? Should we go set three now, Super Neil? Is that, is that good? Is that cool? Let's do it, yeah. Third really? set. Yeah, Third set, baby. This, uh, this it's about pop. the heart. It's about pop culture and fun. Yes. And like Neil said, even when you're competing, you're enjoying it, you're smiling. Yes. And let's just enjoy the well, heck out of this We're going to have set. a lot of smiles in the third set here. Yeah. This, is, this is really fun. So I've got some really good questions for you. All right. Mm. Super Neil, we're going to get you to... This is not fitness. This is not not tennis. All right, we're going to go music. First band you saw in concert. First band Super Neil saw in concert. Live. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Red Hot Chili Peppers. What was this, late 90s, I'm guessing? Actually, no. This was uh, my freshman year of college. Okay, so like early 2000s? Uh, St. Louis. This would be St. Louis, right? At Washington. St. Louis, you got it. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah did... Did you get uh, permission from the coach to go go to the Red Hot Chili Peppers, or did uh, did you you and you and the uh, the boys load up the van and drive on over? <laughs> the season had just ended, so oh. we were free to roam about. That's awesome. So if you could if you could hear a band, let's say that uh, Super Neil, there's somebody out there that you'd like to hear. Who who would that band be? And it could be anybody. Yeah. It doesn't have to be somebody popular. Yeah, and they, and any era, any and yeah. whether you've seen them or not. Yep. So any band, any uh, venue. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, see, we told you this is going to be fun. We're going <laughs> to smile a lot. Oh, man. So many. <laughs> you go down what to the bomb factory and, and see, see a bunch of people? Yeah. Huh? Wow. Well, I, I'm going to come clean with you a little bit. So there is... Uh, there, there was a special lady who I've been spending quite a bit of time with. Oh, good. You know, over the past few months, she's she's uh, she's a special one, and she's very into Dermot Kennedy right now. Uh-huh. Okay. Not not right now. Minus the right now. Okay. I'm starting to get into him. Uh, and so, I would actually enjoy going to see him with her. Oh, that'd be good. Oh, that's, that's a, that, would, that would be my top choice. Would that be here in the Dallas area or, or someplace else? Where would you want to see Dermot Kennedy? Oh, maybe go see him in Ireland. Oh, now check that out. Yeah, that'd be fun. There's a little river dancing with your mace, right? That's awesome. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, as long as I can 
Cream of <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and you, you'd take it over there, and they'd, they'd ask you, what is that? And you'd say, it's my shillelagh. That's right. <laughs> and they'd be like, yeah, wow. Well, yeah. It's, it's, it's my shillelagh. It's my shillelagh. It's okay. All right, uh, Super Neil, if you were in a band, if you were in a band, you might be in a band. I, I, I don't know. I, I know you play the piano. Yeah. All right, so. I'm in an underground band. Oh, you're in an underground band, okay, and you've yeah, got... It only, only happens after a lot of years. <laughs> the, su- the Super Neils, the Super Neils. Mm-hmm. Uh, lead singer, right. lead guitarist, drummer, well, keyboards, we already know you do keyboards, yep. or bass guitars. What, this tells a lot about your personality. I, I, I kind of have an idea of what you'd be, but who would you be in the band? Take the keyboard. Yeah, I figured that. And, <laughs> now, would you want to be out front, or would you be like on the side? You know, would you be like Elton John singing and playing, or would you be uh, more in the back of the house, just kind of, you know, just hitting the hit, tickling the ivories from from a, a non discreet location or discreet location? So I like doing that. I, I would be like kind of on the side, mm-hmm. but uh, there, I would have access to a microphone. I would. Be uh, chiming in with some sneaky backup vocals. <laughs> Love it! You are a good singer, Neil. Oh yeah, we've seen you. Yeah. We've seen you out there. I've, I've seen you tickling the yeah, ivories out there. You're neat. pretty pretty darn good. Did Did you grow up playing playing instruments, or did you just put, uh, do this on your own? I played a tiny bit when I was young. I think it was about eight. But I mean, really, this was a thing that I just decided I wanted to learn later in life, and it was just fun. Like I, I play around with it. I'm I've been a stubborn with uh, learning to read music <laughs> I just I don't know whenever I would try I would just stress out and yeah. it doesn't doesn't appeal to me so I would rather just play and, and sound things out what do you like to play do you, are you classical or are you like you know modern you know what, what do you like to play just everything or what? 80s love songs 80s love songs oh my goodness <laughs> god <laughs> where'd that come from um, <laughs> I'm just kidding I, Anything that's kind of slow and like a little, you know, easier for me to, to keep up with. So you're a hopeless romantic, Once, is what you're saying. <laughs> no, I mean I, I play some pretty funny, like little cheesy tunes. But it's, it's uh, I, I just like putting chords together, and then you know, I'm pretty steady with the left hand. I'll yeah. Just, you know, rock between different chords, and then my right will will uh, travel around a bit and try to try to fancy things up. You, you so know, I totally. Mess. <laughs> when you when you said '80s love songs, I thought of uh, a band I want you to join as the One Handed Backhand Boys. That was uh, Dave Foster um, and Grigor Dimitrov and uh, With the Roger Brothers. Federer. Yeah. And, oh, and those, they sang yeah. me the song yeah. by Chicago, oh, yeah. which could not have been a cheesier, more '80s, more love song, yeah. uh, simple song. Uh, do you remember that one, Neil? Have you have you seen that clip? I'm gonna have to. I, I saw it, but it's been a little while. I yeah, it, it was it again. was cheese ball. All it was over. it was very cheesy. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, that's uh, what was which, which Chicago that was. Na, 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 yeah. Na, na. Oh yeah, uh, na, 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 <laughs> from <laughs> each other. We are the one-handed backhand boys. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> it, it was it was pure cheese. It was pretty bad. All right, favorite Thanks. movie. That's awesome. I have a microphone, by the way, at my piano. Oh, do you? Oh, love it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my neighbors love it, too. (laughs) Favorite movie? Super Neil's favorite movie? Movie. Big fan of Gladiator, but I was just telling somebody uh, Rocky IV 
Rocky is Four. Up there as well. Rocky Four is one of my favorites. For sure. Not not Rocky, but Rocky Four. What? See, Rocky Four. That was the comeback. This is a decade after. This was where he and Apollo are coaching their kids. No, no, no. no. Oh, no. Rocky Four was uh, Apollo made a comeback, sort yep. of, to to fight the Russian. Yeah. Drago. Oh, yes. yes, that's right. Drago, Drago killed him. That's yes, that's I don't right. Want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it yet. And, and Rocky was training but, Apollo uh, Creed, wasn't he? At that point, that, wasn't that the, the the gist of the deal? Wasn't he a trainer? Yeah, yeah. And then he just, you know, uh, Drago wanted to challenge Rocky, and Rocky ended up flying to Russia and training. And it was that epic like training scene where the Russians like uh, Drago's getting all the you know, like the high tech stuff, and he's taking steroids, and then Rocky's out in the snow doing some amazing, amazing. Yeah, like I, and Hearts on Fire is playing. Ah, oh, 80s uh, cheese. I am getting, I'm getting word from our producer that this movie was so long ago that we are allowed to spoil it for people. Oh yeah, yeah so I, it's okay. I, okay. It's okay. Go for it. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so Bert just married us in, in there going, Rocky, come on, Rocky, come on, Rocky. <laughs> Yeah, I, the soundtrack is probably my most listened to thing that I've ever, you know, album, probably my whole life. Excellent. That's the, my All top right. album. <laughs> All right, you're having a dinner party. Super Neil's having a dinner party. Four people that you would invite. You don't have to include us. But, yeah, you know, yeah, we're, we're, we're already yeah. invited. We know yeah. that. Yeah, you <laughs> we'll, help, we'll help you cook, buddy. <laughs> We've had some great answers. It could be yeah. people from history. It could be, you know, gladiators. Yeah, go, go, um, yeah, your, go your ancient, go ancient, present, future, anything you like. Dinner for five, yeah. uh, you plus four. Okay, well, I'm going to stick with these past couple years. But one would be... Uh, who some people refer to as the godfather of Rome is Paul Check. Love Paul. Yes, okay. I, I think he would be very fun to have dinner with. And at the same table, you know, another big influence on these past couple of years has been Ben Greenfield. I would love to have him at the table. He is ageless. That guy is so young, and even though he's probably, I'm sure he's in his 40s, right? I think. Okay, so he's just a hair he's older than you. Uh -huh. Yeah, but he's he's like aging backwards. He's amazing. So it's yeah, kind of like gotta, Benjamin. Gotta respect that, and he's just so efficient with his time. He's like a he's a machine, and that's something I've really struggled with, but but prioritized to, to work on myself. What, what, so what, he would definitely be in there. Wasn't it Brad Pitt and Benjamin, was it? Buttons. Ben Benjamin Buttons. Button went, he was old and then he went backwards <laughs> in age. Is that what, what's happening with this guy? Okay, so you got, that's two, that's two guests. Who are the yep. other? At least you got to have two more. Who else do we got coming to the table? All right, two more. Let's see. We've got plenty of entertainment with those two guys. Yes. Uh, you said I could get, like, ancient gladiators? Sure. You can go, yeah. you can go inter-era for sure. Yes, oh, yeah. We'll get the okay, well, just, just for, for pure entertainment, I would probably bring back the Ultimate Warrior. Ooh, yes. Remember from the uh, old school WWF, he's crazy. Yes, yeah. yes. And it would, be, it would be hard to take those relaxing deep breaths before the, the meal. Paul, Paul would show him how, though. 
Exactly. So that would be a fun interaction to witness. Paul would pick him up and throw him in the shower Bunny. for a nice cold shower, maybe an ice bath. <laughs> yeah, he totally could. Body slam. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, and then of course, you know, we've got to have somebody from the tennis world. Yep. And I don't know why this this one just popped into my head, but I'm going to go with Jim Courier. Jim Courier. Interesting. We've Jim not Courier. had here. We've not had Jimmy Courier on the uh, yeah at the table yet, have we? I and I don't even know why that, that came up, but for some reason I went back to my childhood, like yeah. my favorite players, and Agassi was definitely one of them. Um, and you know he's he's had tons of tons of just fame and publicity and all that. I feel like Jim Courier is not the first name that people would, would normally bring up, but to me he was just so into his fitness and he was like that epitome of the hard worker. He's so he inspiring. Yeah. Yeah, super intense. You know, pretty so, pretty average backhand. Uh, not a bad serve when he placed it perfectly. But the hard worker, and if you watch him play, you're thinking, yes, amazing player. But you look at his record, four grand slams and a complete and utter Davis Cup hero. Yeah. Yeah, the guy was just like a, I don't know the right word, but yeah, hero, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's kind uh, of a think, kind of overachieve. Let's say that he's an overachiever. Yeah. He's an inspiration. He's probably not as talented as the, the other guy you mentioned, who you sometimes dress like, Andre Agassi. Um, right. But he's he's in there. And Jim's kind of a friend of the show. I mean, he hasn't been on the show yet, but he always hits the like buttons he on does. our posts. Yeah. He's uh, he's he's becoming kind of a fan, and I'm he, maybe I'm future, proud. Maybe I, future, I love Jim. Yeah, a future guest on That's on awesome. the net. Uh, yeah, he, when you get him, let me uh, let me know, and also we'll, yeah, we'll tell him that uh, we'll Super Neil wants to have you dinner. His way too. Oh, that? he would love that. He can handle it. <laughs> yeah, although he he's love it. he's gotten a little thin in his in his forties, so maybe he could use some of this a little more beef up here. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. All right, Super Neil, East Coast, West Coast. Which coast you like? Definitely West Coast. West, West. Coast. Ah, are you like a Southern Cal, Southern Cal, or more like North, like? Oregon, Washington, kind of up there that way. Which 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 part of the coast? I, I love Southern Cal. I've See, actually never even been out to the north part of the coast. Pacific so Northwest, yeah. It's on my upcoming list of places to go. So are you a, are you a surfing guy then? Are you are, are you a surfer? You like to hang ten? I, I, I mean, I'm like a novice surfer. I, I do. I like it. I think it's really cool. But uh, it's, it's also I like being close to the mountains. So you're not too far being the West Coast. Uh, that, no. was, that was my next question, mountains or beach? You know, I take mountains. Mountains, yeah. Like yeah. The, the mountains of California or like Colorado wintertime mountains? I'm not Colorado summer everywhere. Awesome. So you skier? Do you like to snow ski? Terrible at skiing. Terrible? Oh, come on, Super Neil. Yeah. I can't imagine that. I've only done it a couple times in my life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm really good at wiping out. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully recovering from said wipeout. Mm, yeah. <laughs> hope so. Hopefully. Yeah. Sunri- sunrise or sunset? For me, sunrise. Sunrise. Oh, morning person then, huh? Yeah. <laughs> That's why this is 
I, I didn't know how my brain was going to be functioning for like... <laughs> this is pretty late. Oh, we're past okay, your bedtime. 7 8 p.m. That's usually when I'm like totally brain dead. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, man, I'm a night owl. I, I love you really night. are, yeah. Uh, yeah my, my wife, she said she, was, she didn't go to bed until 4 in the morning. Now, I don't like to stay up that late. I was like, oh, wow. more of a night owl. Than oh you. yeah. Oh no, we were huge yeah. night owls. Now I yeah. have to be because I got to go to work sometimes. Right. Right. Oh no, we'll, we'll 